And I think it's especially good to be worshiping together on New Year's Eve because it gives us an opportunity to reflect on the past year, but also to receive guidance and help and strength from God's Word as we look to the year ahead. So was 2023 a good year? For Taylor Swift, time person of the year, it sure was. A record-breaking $2 billion of music sales this year. But for rock, leg- uh, rock legend Roger Waters, it was not a good year. Variety listed his 2023 song Money as one of the worst songs of the year. I suspect, though, that Roger is doing okay. I don't think he's financially set back that much by that. For companies like Microsoft, Google, Apple, and Meta, it was a good year. They were listed among the highest-grossing companies again. Unfortunately for AMC Entertainment, they had dismal losses. They had a very bad year because they don't know how to bring people back to the movies. Maybe you can go this week and you can help them out a little bit. Pastor Tracy, who's watching from home today, and the rest of the Texas Ranger fans in the world had a good year in 2023. They won their first World Series. It only took them 50 years, but hey, that's something. The Colorado Rockies, on the other hand, were the worst team in baseball with a record of 59 wins and 103 losses. As you look back to 2023, what kind of year was it for you and for your family? And what kind of year are you hoping for in 2024? Just to remind ourselves, or if you're new with us today, we are in a final sermon in a Christmas series on the Psalms and looking at the life of Jesus. We've been looking at the life of Jesus in the Psalms, and two weeks ago from Psalm 2, we learned that Jesus is eternally begotten of the Father, that the baby who was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago is none other than the God who had no beginning and the God who has no end, and that to this baby, all the nations of the world will answer. So the only proper response to the coming of Jesus is to respond in worship to him, to submit to him, Then last week in Psalm 8, we learned that not just the nations of the world, but all of creation is ruled by Jesus. And not only that, because God became human in Jesus, that means we are most cherished by God of all the creatures. Yes, Jesus reigns from his throne over every nation and over every creature, but we are his children. And because Jesus shares in our nature, we have the highest place in God's kingdom. And whether you have strong faith or weak faith, because of Jesus' grace, all who receive his gospel are welcomed into his eternal kingdom. You matter to God. You are cherished by him. That's what we learn from Psalm 8. Now as we get into Psalm 40 especially when we look at verses 6 through 10 today, we're going to get a fuller view of Jesus' earthly ministry. And what we're going to see is is that it's just as powerful and just as relevant to us today as it was 2,000 years ago when he was on the earth. I don't know what kind of year 2023 was for you, and I don't know what your expectations are for 2024. But what Psalm 40 does 
is bring us up to a summit, and from that vantage point, gives us a better perspective on what, on what came before us on the past year. But it also gives us an important vantage point to see what lies ahead. So as we begin, first we want to notice how this psalm starts. David starts with a reflection on the past in verses 1 through 5. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined his ear to hear me. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. But David doesn't just leave it there. His past reflection leads him to praise God. He says in verse 3, God put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. But this isn't just a song he sings to himself. He tells it to others. At the end of verse 5, I will proclaim and tell of your works, yet they are more than can be told. David was the greatest king of Israel, and yet his life was still filled with many troubles. Some of them started when he was very young and due to no fault of his own. King Saul was jealous of David, and in fact, he was so jealous he tried to murder him, and he chased after him. But God protected David's life. And then other troubles for David came for him later in life, and the blame fell squarely on him. He fell headfirst into the sin of adultery, and then he tried to cover it up. And when that didn't work, he stooped even lower, and he murdered Bathsheba's husband Uriah to try to do away with the situation once and for all. Yet God, in his severe mercy, accepted David's repentance and restored his standing. Now, the psalm doesn't specifically tell us what troubles God delivered David from, but we know that it was God who delivered him from all his troubles. And as we look at the life of Jesus this Christmas season, we see that God delivered him up at various points as well. When he was born into the world, Herod tried to slaughter him, and God protected his life. When Jesus preached his first sermon that we have recorded in Luke chapter 4, it didn't go so well from a human perspective. The religious leaders tried to run him off a cliff, and yet again, God spared his life. And ultimately, Jesus was lifted up from the pit of death when God raised him up from the dead. You see, the deliverance that David speaks of in this psalm Jesus knew personally in his life. He knew it firsthand. For many of you, 2023 was filled with mud pits in one form or another. Financially, maybe your company struggled and you saw colleagues let go. Or perhaps worse, you lost your job this year. Maybe you suffered a number of health setbacks, or maybe you found yourself in a position where you had to become the caretaker of another person who had health setbacks. Despite all your hard work and study, the semester or the marking period didn't go as you would hope for. It wasn't smooth sailing. At home, maybe this was the worst year for your marriage. 
Or maybe being a teenager was a lot harder than you had expected for you and your family. Some of these troubles came at you fast and hard. They were unearned and unexpected. But others you can clearly see how your sin contributed to the turbulence. But either way, you like David can look back and say, God raised me up from the mud. You waited on God and he pulled you through. The phrase translated here, waited patiently, doesn't quite paint the picture so well. When you hear that David waited patiently for God, you can kind of think that it was like, it's like when you're at a restaurant and the service is slow and you're waiting for the food to come or you're waiting for the train that happens to be a few minutes late. That's not what the image is here. The image is that David is persistently calling out to God more like picturing a person who is drowning in the ocean, who is yelling out for the lifeguard to save them, loudly and relentlessly. And then finally, when the lifesaver is thrown out, they hold on to dear life until they're brought to shore. Or in David's case, until he's brought out of the pit. That's the image that this psalm is painting here. As you look back to 2023, What are the depressing surroundings? What are the experiences of complete helplessness? What spiritual afflictions did God deliver you from? According to the psalm, the only reason you made it to the last day in 2023 is because God has delivered you from a pit of troubles when you cried out to him. That's the only reason you and I are here. Now, some of you are saying, yeah, but what about all the troubles that I'm still stuck in? It's still a struggle to get out of bed. I'm still behind in my mortgage payments. I'm still grieving the loss of a relationship or a loved one. I still blow up too quickly when I get upset. I still have to learn how to deal with that difficult teacher. I may have been brought up out of the pits, but I'm still rolling around in the mud. I suspect... No matter how many troubles God has delivered us from, there will always be more that we wish that he would do for us in this life. But often we fail to see that God's help holding us up in the midst of trial is how he is helping us in the moment. In just her second year of teaching in Trenton, the young Annie Johnston Flint suffered crippling arthritis all throughout her body and it would leave her bedridden. By the time she started her teaching career, both her adopted parents had passed away, and Annie once again had to learn what it meant to wait on the Lord. Laid up in her bed for hours at a time, she wrote poetry and stories that were published and widely circulated, and she became one of the best-known Christian writers of the 19th century. Here are some of the words of her most famous hymn that she wrote while she was propped up on her bed. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiply trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of of endurance, When our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, 
our Father's full giving has only begun. Annie Johnson Flint learned very on in her life that either God will deliver God will deliver her up from all her trials, or He will give her supernatural strength to endure whatever troubles may come in her life. And Annie, like King David, can say, God has put a new song in my mouth. And she can tell others about God's experience, God's, God's deliverance. Now, I know that many of you have the desire to share the gospel with others, but you go to a school or you're in a workplace where that really isn't welcomed. Perhaps it's even hard to imagine where to begin. But here David shows us a simple way forward. You may not be a songwriter and you may not be called to be a preacher, but you do have a story that is meant to be shared. In regular conversations with others, you can say, I am so sorry that you are going through these troubles. And I don't have a great answer as to why that is, but I can tell you that God has helped me through my troubles, and He desires to lift you up too. You can do that. You can share your story. And because everyone around us is a suffering sinner, God wants us to share with others how He has helped us, that they may see too that He is a present help in their troubles as well. So when you reflect back on 2023, think about the ways that God has delivered you, and then think about the ways how God is calling you to pay it forward in 2024 by sharing your story of deliverance. So after we get this past reflection from David, our attention gets shifted to the present in verses 6 through 10. We may say, God has delivered me from all my troubles in this past year, and I can tell others about it. But what is my present focus to be today? What am I supposed to be dedicating my effort towards now? Well, God's past deliverance leads David to presently dedicate his life to him. God's past deliverance leads to present dedication. Look at what it says in verse 6. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. But that is not exactly right, is it? I mean, because the entire book of Leviticus is about the sacrifices the people of God were to offer when they approached a holy God. If the people wanted to give thanks to God, atone for their sins, right or wrong with a neighbor, tithe their resources, sacrifices and offerings, they were required. They were required, but never the points. And that's what David is saying here. What good is it to offer God an offering of thanksgiving, a sacrifice of thanksgiving, without a truly thankful heart behind it? Why go through the ritual of offering a sacrifice for sin if you have no intention of giving up on the sin at all? In our day, we might ask, Why march through a Bible reading plan in 2024 or offer words of prayer in the morning or sing words on a screen or take communion without letting the meaning and power of them take root in our hearts? Acts of worship 
are never meant to be empty rituals. That's the point that David is making here in this passage. Well, if they aren't meant to be something we just check off a list, what are acts of worship supposed to be about then? Verses 7 and 8. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is written within my heart. You see, for David, who was God's servant, every year and every day of every year was dedicated to carrying out God's good will. His ears were always open to God's word so that it would direct him in his steps, show him the path that he should take. Literally, what we have here is that his ears were dug out so that the will of God, the instruction of God would come in, so that whatever came across his desk as king, king, he would perform those duties in a way that honored the Lord. Every task, no matter how small or how big, was an opportunity to show others that God is really in charge of me and of this world. And we can adopt the same mindset in our work. While you're doing your work on your laptop, or offering care in a hospital or a pharmacy, or writing your alphabet letters in school, all of it belongs to God. And it's His will that you are doing in all that you are doing. That's what David was dedicating his life to. What ultimately makes a successful year? Well, from God's perspective, it isn't record sales, it isn't stock increases, or even a higher number of wins in the wins column. It's whether you are doing the will of God out of love for Him and for the benefit of others. After all, the writer of Hebrews quotes this psalm and he tells us that the very reason that Jesus Christ came into the world, took on human flesh, was to do the will of God. Listen to how he puts it. When Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Now you'll notice that Psalm 40 in the Hebrew text translated says, ears you have dug out for me. But here the author of Hebrews says, a body you have prepared for me. Well, why the change? We don't know exactly, but the author of Hebrews is speaking to a Greek-speaking audience. So the phrase, ears you have dug out for me, is probably a Hebrew expression that probably doesn't translate well. Like many of you, I grew up in a house where two languages were spoken, and there was a lot of confusion. If I did something that resembled my dad, my mom would literally say in Arabic, the son of a goose is a swimmer. (laughs) Know what that means? I heard the words, but I was lost in translation. What she was saying is, like father, like son. And perhaps a similar thing is going on here. The Hebrew expression in, in the psalm would have been lost on the Greek hearers, so the, author, so the author uses a more familiar word to make the same point. You see, a person who has dug out ears is someone who is ready to listen and to obey. And a body, then, is used for sacrificial service. 
Remember Paul says in Romans 12, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, God the Son takes on a human body for the sacrificial service of God. What did Jesus dedicate every year of his life to? Fulfilling God's will in his body on behalf of humanity. The mystery of the incarnation is that practical. In his thoughts, in his words, and in all his deeds, and all he did, and what he did not do, Jesus Christ dedicated his life to the will of the Father. And he was obedient in God's sight all the way to the cross. Think about this as we close out 2023. All the sins of 2023, both yours and mine, Jesus has put squarely on his shoulders to remove from us all that would disqualify us from God's presence so that we could be close to God. Where we fail to obey, he obeyed in our stead all the way to the finish line. He obeyed so that sinners like you and me who make resolutions and break them, who promise to do good and fail to deliver, wouldn't miss out on the perfection that God wants us to have in His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's a perfection that we will see, that we will have when we see Him face to face. For by a single offering, He has made perfect for all time all those who are being sanctified. Each day, you dedicate yourself to doing the will of God. You are becoming more like the true self God has called you to be in Jesus Christ. You are living in the present moment what you will perfectly be for all eternity. What should we dedicate our lives to in the next year? What should we hope for for our families, for our jobs, for our church life here in 2024? doing the will of God because that is the only resolution that is going to stand the test of time. And that's what Jesus shows us. Now lastly, after we learn from David to reflect on past deliverances and we learn to presently dedicate our lives to the will of God, he then provides us a future hope for this year's troubles. You remember how Psalm 23 ends, don't you? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord, what? Forever. That perfect ending is not what we get at the end of this psalm. There is nothing neat and tidy about how this psalm ends. In fact, in verses 11 through 17, David finds himself in trouble yet again. Listen to how stark this is. From verse 12, for evils have encompassed me beyond number, my iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. How bad is it exactly? They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. That's bad. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but some of the troubles that you have in 2023 are still going to be there for you in 2024. They are not going to go away when the clock strikes midnight tonight. And I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. 
You see, as we struggle with our sinful desires and navigate living in a fallen world, the truth is that we are either leaving behind a trouble or heading into another one. And yet, as God's people, we don't take the perspective that the world does, that we simply go living from crisis to crisis. No, this psalm shows us that we are people who live from what? Deliverance to deliverance until we go home to be with the Lord. That is our perspective as Christians. Our future hope will outlive a lifetime of our troubles. When David prays, O Lord, make haste to help me, it is not a shot shot in the dark. It's rather a confident plea. God has delivered him once, and he knows God will deliver him again. And Jesus has made it so that none of your troubles, even your ongoing sins, will never undo what he has accomplished for us on the cross. can never be undone. And because Jesus sits on the throne, all the troubles of 2023 and all the troubles that await you in 2024, all of your sins and all of your adversaries, they're going to be overthrown because he sits on the throne in power and glory. And all that is answers to him. Will 2024 be a good year? You may not make all your New Year's resolutions. You may hit rough patches. And you may experience various kinds of losses. But because of Jesus Christ, God will complete his perfect will for you as you walk with him day by day and are dedicated to doing his good and perfect will. That is the hope that we have in 2024 and that is what is that's what Jesus is doing in the year ahead in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit let's pray Lord Jesus we are so grateful that because of your perfect obedience we stand in line to reach heavenly glory to be made perfect like you because of your grace and mercy that never fails. And thank you, Lord, that in the meantime, each day we can commit our lives to you with whatever you've put in front of us, with with whatever tasks that are ahead of us, and know that as as we obey you, we are following you into glory. Thank you, Lord, that you know how to perfect when we fail. Thank you that you give us strength each day to meet the challenges ahead. So I pray this hope for each person here, that they would know as they begin a new year, their life is in good hands because we belong to you through the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.